0: The following podcast, Fresh Perspectives, has been produced by Apari AmeriCorps member and recovery coach Caroline Buckley using the equipment and facilities of Wilmington Community Television Inc. WCTV. Welcome to the first episode of Fresh Perspectives podcast with your host Caroline Buckley from the Wilmington Substance Abuse Coalition in Wilmington, Mass. Um, over the next few months, I'm going to be discussing various recovery and addiction related topics, including different pathways to treatment, helpful resources, facts on the disease of addiction, and guest speakers from the industry who work in the field to share their expertise. Um, but in this episode, I would like to introduce myself so you listeners can get to know me better by sharing my story and how I overcame my addiction. Uh, so, again, my name is Caroline, and uh, I have been sober from drugs and alcohol and all other mind-altering substances since uh, June twenty fourth, 2011. And, um, you know, I can say that I didn't get sober right away. It wasn't a one-and-done type deal. You know, it took me a while to finally um, get recovery. And, uh, you know, everybody has their own pathway to recovery. In my experience, um, I came from, you know, a 12-step background. I have a 12-step recovery solution that I practice on a daily basis, um, but everybody is different. So, um, you know, I can kind of start with my background and how I grew up. So I actually grew up in uh, Redding, Massachusetts, and I came from a really good home, good family, Um, You know, there wasn't really anything in my life that happened that made me, uh, you know, pick up a drink or a drug or or made me, I guess, an addict. Um, You know, some people, you know, really talk about like the genetics of the disease of addiction. And, you know, I I believe that to a certain degree um, because there was some alcoholism in my father's side of the family. Um, but for the most part, I was the black sheep in my family. You know, no one that I know in my immediate family or, you know, close on my mom's side or dad's side is an addict or an alcoholic. Um, You know, the only person that I knew that was close to me was my grandfather, Um, and God rest his soul, he passed away a few years ago. Um, But, you know, I can say that Um, being an addict today, or in an addict in recovery today, is um, actually a blessing in my life. Before I used to think it was a curse, and now I believe it is a blessing. Um, because I have an awareness in my life today that um is amazing, and I get to help people on a daily basis. So I myself work in the field. Um, I work in um. Treatment for alcoholism and addiction and other, you know, mental health issues and co-occurring disorders. And, um, you know, I've worked in the field for about five years now and I've been sober for almost eight years. Um, So, you know, I guess going back to like my childhood or my upbringing, you know, like I was always a really shy person uh you know never really um was outgoing you know i i kind of dabbled in sports and extracurricular activities but never really felt that i was good at them so i kind of quit while i was ahead you know like my life was run on fear for almost my whole entire life and uh you know once i hit high school um Again, I I considered myself like a goody two-shoes, got really good grades, um, you know, kind of did what I was supposed to do to kind of like fall in line with other people. Um, But, you know, deep down, I always kind of had this, um, you know, this idea that I was different than other people or I felt different from other people. Um, You know, I never really could figure out what it was, but I was always really insecure, like uncomfortable in my own skin and uh, the only sort of relief that I got from those feelings was through food. Uh, and so my first addiction, and unfortunately is still kind of an addiction, is, uh, is food. Uh, and so, you know, I used to come home from school and like binge eat whatever was in the, was in the cupboard. Uh, you know, like my mom and my family live a fairly healthy lifestyle. So like there was never really any junk food in the house, but she would always kind of splurge once a week on on something and, and I would hide it. I would hide it from uh, you know, my brother and, and the rest of my family and, and that's all I did. Um and so, you know, when I ate it kinda like gave me that sense of ease and comfort. It gave me that relief that I was always looking for. Um, you know, and which uh led me to, you know, seeing a nutritionist at age twelve, um, which I believe isn't normal. Um, you know, and also ended up in therapy around that age as well. And, uh, you know, I I still wasn't ready to, I guess, get honest about my feelings or or what was going on. But of course, because of my food addiction, I was gaining a lot of weight and I was always overweight, um, in school. And, you know, I, I was teased for it. Um, but, Of course, what did that make me do? It made me want to eat more, you know, to fix, um, you know, to eat my feelings, I guess you would call it. Um, And, you know, it gave me that temporary relief but never gave me, like, long-term relief because I was just uncomfortable with self. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely that led to, you know, picking up marijuana, alcohol, uh, nicotine or cigarettes, you know, in in high school – um, you know, I was probably like a sophomore, like 15, 16 years old at Reading High School. Um, you know, even though I had good grades and, and, and friends that were in, you know, that were good students and things like that. I also had like these other friends, you know, and, and other groups that like maybe, you know, would skip school and, you know, were known or had a reputation, um, for being, kind of like the class clowns or like, you know, the, the kids that didn't really do that well in school. Um, but I was very like intrigued by that lifestyle, you know, even though like they may may not have been doing the right thing, like I wanted to do what they were doing because they seemed like, you know, that they were ha- so carefree and, and, and had a lot of fun that I wanted to be a part of that. Um, and so, you know, when I first started smoking weed it wasn't an everyday thing right away you know in fact I was terrified to even try it and once I did I was kind of like paranoid but eventually like I started to like it and you know of course you know you get the munchies when when you smoke weed so uh you know that definitely helped didn't really help with my food addiction but um you know it was something that I you know that as soon as I did it I liked the way it made me feel, you know, I could fit in with other people. Um, You know, I guess I don't necessarily know if it was peer pressure. I mean, I guess in a way, but, you know, I definitely made that conscious decision to like get out of the way I felt. And, uh, you know, and, and so of course I continue to do it more. Um, Like I said, you know, I, I really, um, had a lot of fear growing up. So like, I didn't want people to know I was doing it. I definitely didn't want my family to know um, because I was kind of setting an example for myself that I was like this really good kid. And um, you know, so it, it, it didn't really start to escalate until probably like my second semester of senior year of high school. Like that's when I really just like stopped caring, you know, at that point, Like I had gotten the good grades. I had gotten into the good school. You know, I was going to a private four year college in Boston. Um, You know, like I thought I had arrived. I thought I had, you know, everything that I needed in life in order to succeed. And like I would just do what everybody else told me to do. Like if only I go to this school and study that and get this grade and get this job, you know, like my life will be wonderful. Um, you know, I thought that kind of like I just had to like follow the map or or the roadmap that my family had laid out for me, and you know I would be fine, you know. Um, but unfortunately, you know, drugs and alcohol kind of like started to take like a big part in my life, and they also took away my motivation to do those things that I thought that I needed to do in order to make other people happy. And that's kind of another theme in my story that like I tend to be a people pleaser. Um, You know, I tend to want to make other people happy, which in fact is kind of another form of addiction called codependency. Um, So, you know, so I started um, smoking weed pretty regularly, you know, drinking Um, eventually, like once I actually graduated high school, I was, getting drunk almost every day or drinking every day, um, smoking weed, you know, trying different, um, you know, pills and cocaine and essentially anything that you put in front of me, like I would try, like if somebody told me it was going to make me feel good or, or make me feel better than, than I did about myself, then I would do it in a heartbeat. No questions asked, uh, you know? And so, um, of course, like the friends that I surrounded myself with, like, where are the ones that were partying and doing drugs and, and drinking all the time, you know, and all my like good friends from high school, I kind of said, see you later, you know, like I didn't really pay any mind to them. Um, I kind of started doing my own thing. So then like once I got to college and I was in, you know, obviously in Boston and living in a dorm and had all this freedom and, you know, like I just thought it was another excuse to party, and, like, once it was time to hit the books, I was completely, you know, I, I was not ready for, for college or, or that, like, that level of responsibility. You know, like, as soon as I, I got there, you know, I was just drinking and, and, and smoking weed and, and doing cocaine as much as I could. You know, I had, I think I had a work-study job at school and I was working part-time at a retail store back home and, you know, I would take the train back home on the weekends to work. But like I was an absolute mess, you know, like I, I wasn't, you know, really doing my schoolwork, um, you know, and it also turns out that the first semester of freshman year of college, I ended up getting uh, mono and, uh, you know, so that kind of gave me a leg up for, for that semester because I was able to, um, you know, go on uh, disability for for that semester and do my work from my dorm room. Um, but in reality, like, I just used it as an excuse to, like, do whatever I wanted. And so, you know, once um, I tried to come back for spring semester after the winter break, I just couldn't do it, you know. Like, the classes started to get harder and I started to realize that, like, you know, um, my grades were slipping significantly at that point, which like I had never gotten any bad grade in my life, so that so that was definitely a telltale sign. And um, you know, in the midst of all this, you know i'm I'm finally getting attention from from boys and and dating men, and uh, you know, that kind of took president precedent along with, you know, the drugs and alcohol because like, You know, I never thought that I was, like, good enough or that people would would think I was, you know, pretty. But, like, as soon as I, like, had drugs and alcohol in my system, like, I was that social butterfly. I was finally felt like I could be the person that I always wanted to be. Uh, And so, you know, again, I started, like, in relationships, you know, uh, with men for for the wrong reasons. And, like, they were usually people that, like, definitely were not uh, good for me and uh you know because that's all i felt i was worth so you know whatever i thought i was worth was what i was what i deserved and i guess in my case or that's what i thought i deserved and so that's what i did um so basically long story short you know i manipulated my mom by telling her that like you know i went through a really bad breakup or something and like i was going through some you know, emotional or mental health issues. I don't know what I said, but I basically told her that, like, I needed to take a leave of absence from school. Um, so I kind of once again, like, quit while I was ahead. Like, I didn't want to fail out, so, like, I just took a leave of absence and said that I would go back, like, once I saved some money and, like, got, and got a car and got my license because at that point, even though I was 18, almost 19 years old, like, I didn't have um, a driver's license at all. So, like, you know, I kind of used that as an excuse to, like, come back home to live with mom and, like, get, you know, like, get some life skills under my belt and then go back to school. And so, um, but in my my mind, I felt like a failure. You know, I felt like even though I hadn't actually failed out, I was already a failure. And, uh, you know, so, again, I used that as an excuse to use even more. And so... You know, I thought, oh, if I come home, I won't use as much because I'm not in the college party scene. In fact, like I just went back to my same environment with those same friends and, you know, just kind of got worse and worse and worse. Um, And I was using a lot more, um, you know, drugs. I was doing a lot of like um, benzodiazepines, which are essentially like, you know, alcohol on steroids, they're, you know, a downer. Um, and they tend to, you know, um, you tend to black out on them when you know if you take them, uh, a ton of them or you take them with alcohol, you know. So I was like blacking out a lot, um, you know, that was pretty much a common occurrence with me, um, you know, and uh, and I was definitely doing a lot of binge drinking at that point. Um, I started experimenting with different, like hallucinogens and whatnot, like L S D and mushrooms and all those things. Um, you know, which I, you know, personally like had no issues with. Like everybody talks about bad trips and stuff like that. That definitely wasn't my experience, but um, you know, I I just took it to the extreme. You know what I mean? Like if somebody said, Oh, only take one, I take two you know, or somebody said, only take two, I take four, you know, it just, like, I always did things to the excess, you know, always trying to, like, push the envelope, and so, um, anyway, like, this started just, like, various different relationships with men for, like, the wrong reasons, whether it was, you know, um, for, you know, drugs or money or a ride or, or you name it, you know, and then, um, but on the flip side, even though like I use people in relationships, people always use me and it was kind of like this constant battle, you know, and, uh, and then it kind of got to the point where I was, you know, um, dating guys that were like in and out of jail and like had, were like career criminals. And, uh, you know, at that point that, that was really like, at that point was kind of an all time low you know, um, just doing things that I wouldn't normally do, you know, starting to like, you know, compromise my morals and values for the next drink or the next drug or the next, um, you know, boyfriend or whatever. Um, you know, and for me, it was kind of like a thrill, a thrill seeking behavior that I was doing. Um, but like, You know, I still really hadn't suffered that many consequences other than, you know, leaving school. You know, I really didn't have any legal issues. It was always like, you know, something somebody else I was with that had the legal issues. You know, it was never me. And, um, you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, I was introduced to heroin and uh, I didn't do it for a long time. You know, I I uh, I definitely saw it quite a few times and and I saw how people were on it and it definitely wasn't my thing and uh you know I, I just didn't want to end up like those people and so um but I had experimented with with some opiate pills at that point you know maybe some like you know vicodin or something you know somebody had their wisdom teeth pulled or whatever they got a prescription like I used to take those um you know and like I wasn't opposed to them, but it wasn't like my number one thing at that point, you know. Um, And in any case, you know, um, my drinking got really bad. And uh, essentially, I stopped drinking at around age 19, 20. Um, I had blacked out and had alcohol poisoning enough times uh, and some really close calls that I realized that like maybe I can't handle my liquor like I thought I could, um, you know. And and thank God like social media, or Facebook wasn't a thing back then because I was a hot mess, you know. And and I caused a lot of a lot of problems with with my friends and things like that. Um. So, you know, um. So then my bright mind got the idea that maybe I should try some pills, right? Like the Percocet pills. Yeah, they were kind of like downers, but like you couldn't smell it on my breath and I wasn't hugging the toilet all night long and you know, like I wasn't belligerent like I was on alcohol and so like um you know, I started um searching which obviously wasn't that hard like with the with the people that I was hanging out with um to find, but like I was able to find like you know, Percocet, and Oxy, and things like that, and, um, you know, this was back when uh, Oxycontin was, like, a huge problem in Massachusetts, uh, well, actually, the country, but, you know, it became a huge problem in Boston, and, um, you know, so, uh, you know, but th- those are really expensive, so, like, I kind of just, like, um, you know, did the Perc 30s and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, eventually it progressed to you know heroin and uh you know something that i thought i would never do something that i never thought you know would happen to me i always thought those other people those people just can't handle it like they just you know they're just not strong enough or they got hooked on it i'm not gonna get hooked on it i'm just gonna you know use it on the weekends or something, I don't know, I was so delusional, like, that I literally believed myself, and so, um, basically, like, I, I thought that I was smarter than everybody else, and that I had, you know, found the trick to the game, and thought that, you know, well, everybody's wasting all their money on these perks, and Oxys, like, I'm just gonna go straight to, you know, heroin, because it's cheaper, and you get just as much of a high off of it, Um, you know, mind you, this was back when heroin was not laced with fentanyl. Um, but in any case, it was still just as dangerous in my opinion. Um, because you really just don't know. It's not like I had a drug test kit that I could test exactly what I was getting every bag. Um, and so, you know, the, the first time that I did it, I, I, you know, I sniffed it and, uh, And and I fell in love immediately, you know, like as soon as I did it, even though I got sick, I was vomiting like I got so high um, that I thought, wow, like this, if I can just do this every day for the rest of my life, I'll be okay. Right, like all those fears, doubts, insecurities just completely vanished. You know, like everything else that I had tried to like fill this void inside me, like with us. You know, I used men as a solution. I used food as a solution. I used, um, you know, alcohol as a solution, cocaine, like marijuana, hallucinogen, all these different things that I tried. Benzos, you know, like they gave me that temporary relief, you know, but never enough. Never enough to like take away, um. The pain that I felt inside and so um you know once I did heroin I was like that that's it you know all bets were off like that's what I was doing every day and like um within a month I was an IV heroin user and I was off and running you know and uh and I I believe that I hid it from people for a long time but like you know everybody knew at, at least at the end you know and and I and, and it doesn't take long for for anyone who has any experience like, you know, uh, using opiates. It, it it progresses very quickly. And, uh, you know, so I think I was probably like 20 or 21 when I entered my first detox program. It definitely wasn't my idea, you know. Um, at that point, I tricked myself into believing that like I didn't really have a bad habit at that point, which I mean, maybe I didn't. Um, but you know, I was obviously starting to have withdrawal symptoms, um, but was kind of in denial of it and thought that I was still able to control it. And so I went to a detox and I was absolutely horrified, you know, like. I came from a really good town, from a really good family, you know, I felt like I was in this detox with all these, you know, degenerates, and like, people that were like, in and out of jail, and just street people, and you know, I thought I was better than, and and then I wasn't like them, you know, and so like, um, I only stayed at the detox three days, which typical length of stay for a detox is five to seven days, depending on the substance that you're coming off of, Um, but... You know, I I left because I was I didn't I felt like I did not belong there. And, uh, you know, and and also it was my first uh, experience with methadone, uh, which is what they give you to, you know, come off of uh, heroin. Um, well, it's not used as much nowadays, but, um, you know, you've probably most heard about like Suboxone and, and things like that. But in any case, you know, I, I took the methadone and I was even more high than I was on the other stuff I was doing, you know, and then like they tapered me down the next day and I was violently ill and it was awful, you know, and I said, I'm never going to do this again. Like, you know, like, and I told my mom, I was never going to do it again. And, you know, I would come home and I would go to like, um, like recovery meetings or AA meetings or whatever she wanted me to do, like just as long as I could come home. Um, and, uh, you know, she agreed to it as long as I went to like, to this outpatient program. And I went to this outpatient program, I think it was in Woburn. Um, and you know, for some people, like, outpatient is a really good resource. You know, I think for anyone who's never tried it, like, go for it. Um, maybe just I wasn't ready or it wasn't the right time for me. Uh, but, you know, my experience in, in outpatient, or they call it IOP, intensive outpatient program, I did it at nighttime for, like, a few nights a week. Um, I just met people to use with and get high with, you know, and, like, I met new connects and, and and people who weren't really serious about their recovery. But at that point, I was trying to do the right thing, you know, and in my opinion, I was doing the uh, what I call the marijuana maintenance program, uh, which is, you know, just smoking weed and, and not doing anything else. No drinking, no hard drugs, none of it. Um, and I did that successfully for about three months um, before I finally gave in because like, it was almost like I had this itch inside of me that like, you know, nothing was enough, you know, like no amount of alcohol or drugs or anything could compare to like being on, you know, being on heroin and, uh, you know, and eventually I went back. And, um, at that point I really wasn't, I don't remember, but I I don't think I was really holding down a steady job. Like I think the the longest steady job I had was, like, at Dunkin' Donuts in, in Reading Square um, on Main Street. And, uh, you know, I think I was there for, like, nine months. I, I can't remember. But, you know, I was getting uh, getting high at work too. So, um, but in any case, um, you know, I was, like, essentially, like, committing crimes and, and stealing uh, to support my habit. Um, and I was stealing with, a f- you know, a few other people. Um, and basically, you know, when I would steal or boost from stores and things like that, um, you know, I would use whatever money I could get, um, from the merchandise that I, that, you know, I pawned or whatever. I'd use the money to, um, for drugs, uh, for, you know, gas money, for a hotel, you know, for a place to stay, you know, you name it. Um, and, and I did that for like, almost 2 years straight and uh you know i i i thought that i was pretty good at it cuz i was like well i i only got caught like 3 times so i guess that's not bad cuz i've done it so many times at that point only getting caught 3 times wasn't even an issue um but i did get arrested once for shoplifting and you know um i ended up it just so happened that i was i think i was in malden and uh, wherever, whatever store it was in Malden, I um, I stole from a store that was like directly across the street from the police station. So that was silly, but um, anyway, you know, um, my mom thought she was teaching me a lesson, and she made me um stay. You know, she wouldn't pay my bail because, of course, like at that point, like there was no no one else in my life that was gonna pay my forty dollars bail. Um, no one was going to come and get me, you know, like I had, I had burned a lot of bridges at that point, not all bridges, but most bridges at that point. And so no one really wanted anything to do with me. Um, because I really just stole from everyone who, who loved me or, or cared about me or shared the same last name as me. And, uh, you know, so my mom thought she was teaching me a lesson by, you know, leaving me in, in jail for, for the night. And, uh, you know, I was going into precipitating withdrawal. And so, you know, basically I like, I smashed my head off of the, the cement wall in, in the prison, um, just to be able to like, essentially knock myself out to like go to sleep. And, uh, the next morning had to go to court and just looked an absolute mess. But in any case, you know, I kind of just got out of that with like a slap on the wrist. Cause that was like really my first legal offense. Um, you know, in, in my opinion. Or I, I thought at the time it wasn't that bad, uh. You know, so like the things that, you know, I thought were unacceptable, right? Like we we all know what right right from wrong is. Um. So the things that I used to think were unacceptable became acceptable to me, um. And so that was acceptable to me. You know, spending a night in jail that became acceptable. Um. You know, not having um. A steady job that was acceptable to me because as long as I can use the way I want to I don't care um, you know not going to family functions and and spending time with uh, my family became acceptable to me uh, you know so many other things you know I I never ended up going back to college by the way you know I said I was only gonna take like a semester or two off and like I just never went back and um, you know it 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 just got worse from there. You know, uh, eventually. Long story short, eventually I ended up homeless uh, in Beverly of all places, um, and I remember sitting on a park bench, um, homeless again, accepting that accepting that I was sleeping on a park bench and that was okay because it was the summer, so that's normal. Um, but in any case, I remember, you know having this kind of I don't know if it was like epiphany or what but like I had this um just horrible feeling you know that like um the drugs or heroin that became my solution to life stopped working um and that was a scary thought you know that like this thing that I thought that was going to fix me that that made me um feel you know like the best version of myself um you know, became the worst part of me and the worst thing in my life. Uh, and so, you know, I, I remember just having this kind of impending doom moment where like, I was realizing that there was no, there was not enough heroin in the world to like, get me out of the way I felt. And, uh, you know, and that's when I realized like I was screwed. Um, that, You know, I was like stuck in this vicious cycle of addiction and I'd never be able to break it and my life was over basically. You know, that like it became a regular occurrence for me to like think about like not being alive anymore. You know, I think I was too much of a wuss to actually like go through with it or like do anything like that, but like I definitely thought about it every morning. You know, every morning that I woke up, you know, whether I was withdrawing or just, you know, Realizing that I had to continue to live my life the way it was going and like it wasn't going anywhere. And so um, eventually I ended up in uh, a detox again. And, uh, you know, uh, it started or how I kind of got into that detox um, was, you know, with, um, you know, my mom's help. I basically uh, showed up at her door and I said, you know, I need help. Um, and, you know, but I said, of course, I'll, I'll just go tomorrow. You know what I mean? Just let me stay the night and then I'll go tomorrow. And, uh, my mom had started going to these like self help groups or these like Al-Anon meetings, um, you know, kind of for families that have like an addict or an alcoholic in their family, um, that they're kind of struggling with. And, uh, she basically told me that I wasn't welcome home, that I couldn't stay there you know, that, like, if I tried anything, she would call the police, um, but she said, you know, if you want help, I'll bring you to a detox tonight, like, let's do it, and so, like, I reluctantly said yes, and, um, you know, at that point, I had no intention of really being sober, but I just didn't want to be homeless anymore, and so I went to, um, went to a detox down on the Cape, and, um, you know, after that detox, I was like, okay, like I'm feeling better, like time to go home. And, um, you know, I was so mad at first, but like, thank God my family held a boundary and said like, no, like we're not letting you come back, um, if you don't go to further treatment. So, um, I really had no choice and I went to a further, you know, treatment program, like a rehab. I did that for a while um, for about 28 days. And then I was like, okay, I'm feeling good again. Now, now am I allowed to come home? And my family was, you know, kind of instructed by the treatment team for me to go to further uh, treatment or, or aftercare. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's what I did. And, and even though I was, you know, kicking and screaming the whole way, like I, I did it. And, uh, at that point, um, you know, I, I, I ended up at like a 12 a step retreat, um, which I never thought I would end up at, but there I was, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere in, in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, honestly, it, it changed my life. Um, that was like the first time that I was really introduced to like a solution of recovery. And I was introduced to people who, um claimed that they had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and uh you know it was very appealing to me that's what i wanted you know um and the, this whole place was run by ex you know drug addicts and alcoholics and um they shared their stories and they seemed like they were like just as bad if not worse than me and like had a a real answer to life you know and they didn't have like you know, like the flashy car or the big house or, you know, all these expensive material things like they were just genuinely happy. Um, and the bottom line was that that's all I ever really wanted. You know, I just wanted to be OK in my own skin. You know, like I wanted to be able to be able to deal with life on life's terms sober. Um, and, and I never knew that that existed. Right. Like I had tried different um you know, um, uh, recovery meetings or whatever. I tried different pathways, um, at that point to getting sober, which included at least in my opinion, everything, you know, I tried therapy, I had tried medications, I had tried, um, you know, the methadone, the Suboxone, I tried, um, you know, uh, the marijuana maintenance program. I tried, you know, um, just drinking, you know, I tried, um, you know, one substance over another or whatever. Like I tried all these different avenues and like eventually, um, you know, the the gig was up, you know, like there was nothing else left to lose. Right. So like I just threw myself into this 12 step thing. So I was like, you know, even if I still think it's a cult and, and whatever, like I'm just going to do it because it clearly seems like these other people seem to know what they're talking about. And so I started to like humble myself and follow direction, and uh, you know, and you know, because I started to realize that like, you know, I I was my biggest problem. You know, it wasn't the drugs and alcohol. You know, like that was the solution to the way I felt, but like I deep down, like I was just restless, irritable, and discontent, and like, um, you know, I, I needed to to fix that. What I call like a spiritual malady or spiritual sickness you know this void inside me that i tried to fill with all these outside things or all these external things um trying to fill this internal condition and uh it just made it worse you know and so um you know i i started to hear some things and then i started to take some action and like you know um go through the step process the way it was you know laid out um in in the literature um you know in the 12 step process and uh you know like my 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 awareness started to um change you know how i viewed life it became different you know things um that i thought were one way for so long were completely different now and um it, it was beautiful and it was amazing um and i would highly recommend it to to anyone um but I know that not everyone like g- gets sober that way, and 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 to each his own. You know, I just know that for me, like I tried everything else, and like this was the only thing left. And thank God I found it, um, because it forever changed me. And I, uh, you know, I I'd like to say that that it end, that my addiction ended there. Um, unfortunately, because I am stubborn, it did not. Uh, but I had a head full of this solution that i had learned about and uh, i knew exactly where to go once i was ready and um you know so um i got so 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 that was in 2010 um i was sober for about six months um after that 12-step retreat in new hampshire um you know i lived in a sober a sober home Um, with other women you know I started to learn basic life skills that I just didn't know how to do like you know to cook and clean and like be a part of a community and like do chores and things like that you know I'd never really done that before Um, and I'd also never really been around people that actually like gave a shit Um, and so that was that was a great experience and then um, giving back and like um, telling people my story like i am now and uh you know that was definitely very beneficial to me um, but slowly but surely i started to take my will back and i started to do things my way and like whenever i start to do things my way um it doesn't end up so great you know like once i stop taking suggestions and start you know basically trying to run the show um it I I end up honestly like best case scenario like I end up back in treatment you know but um you know but for some people it it ends in in jail or or death um and so and that's kind of like where I was headed but in any case like I stayed sober for that six months and then um you know for you know one way or another like I I ended back um you know I I left the sober house early and and I went back home and uh you know, I and I was high within twenty four hours, you know what I mean? Like I hadn't even thought about getting high, but like um I stopped doing the work and and, and that's what happens, you know. Um and uh you know it was it was mind boggling to me um that, that I could let that happen. And uh, you know, so fear again sobered me for a bit. Um for about another three or three and a half months, you know, because I had had because I had gotten like my family back, like a relationship, you know, I had gotten friends back, I had gotten a job back, like all these things started materialize in my life and I didn't want to lose them. Um, and so, you know, that's why. And then I got sober again. I kind of started like the process, the 12-step process again. And um, I don't know, it, it was different this time. I, I didn't feel like the magic like I did the first time. And so it kind of turned me off a little bit. Um, and then, you know, it was, yeah, June, 2011, the end of June, 2011, um, for whatever reason, you know, like I, I got the idea in my head that like, you know, I I was going to get high in safety and, um, and, and by the way, there's, there's no such thing as getting high in safety for, for an addict or an alcoholic, but. Um, you know, I, I tricked myself into believing that, that I could. And so I did. And within two days of me picking up, I had, um, overdosed on heroin. Well, at least that's what I bought, but I'm, I'm can only assume that it, that it was fentanyl or, or something like that. Um, but I, I really will never know. Um, and I, and I woke up in Winchester hospital and I don't know how I got there because the last thing I remember, I was in Boston, um, picking up drugs and, um, I ended up at Winchester Hospital, you know, I can only sum up to being, you know, something greater working in my life, and, uh, you know, I, I woke up in the hospital, um, I guess I had fallen down, I had, I had stitches, um, in my face, and, uh, you know, it was painful, and the nurses told me that I was revived with Narcan, Uh on three with three separate doses. Um, and this was Narcane IV, um, you know, which is obviously a lot stronger than, you know, nasal, which is what most people are, are trained on nowadays, um, out in the, out in the public. Um, but, but I was treated at the hospital and, and, um, you know, and, and you would think after a horrific experience like that, you know, it'd make me want to stop, um, but I still had an idea that, like, no, like, you know, I still have a job. Like, I still have these things going on. Like, I'm just going to lie about it. Like, I'm going to, you know, call call a cab to pick me up and, and, you know, bring me home and just tell my mom that I got in a car accident. Um, well, again, you know, that's when I realized that God was working through my life because um, when I asked for my phone and my purse – the nurses were like we you didn't come in here with anything you were literally like dropped off in a truck um and kind of more or less thrown out at the emergency room door um and and we didn't really know what was wrong with you you know but um then we realized what was wrong um so so i kind of like really had no other choice like i i didn't have anybody's phone number memorized except for my own mother's and uh you know i had no way really of getting out of there i had no money no nothing um you know no way to get my stuff i didn't even know where it was uh and so you know i had the nurse call my mom and told her what happened and uh you know and and she was devastated you know like i can't even imagine like what getting a call like that um for a parent is even like because i'm i'm not a parent myself um but you know now that i'm kind of on the other side of this addiction thing and and work with you know families and and work with people who are sick and suffering you know like i i can see like how much damage i caused um but in any case uh i ended up you know going back to that 12 step retreat um you know I said I would go back to treatment because I because I knew honestly like deep down I I realized that like if I used again I was gonna die you know that there was no question in my mind that 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 was gonna happen and uh at at this point you know the uh I guess the opioid epidemic as we know it today um wasn't really didn't have a name on it yet it it wasn't really uh um you know, a, a, a an epidemic at that point, um, in two thousand eleven. But uh, you know, obviously it it got, you know, uh, national, uh, nationwide publicity, like in in two thousand and thirteen, and 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 it's gotten progressively worse since then, um. But, you know, that's kind of like my goal today is to help people, um, especially with you know opioid addiction you know, get, get sober because, you know, it's, it's, it's life or death out there. You know, it's, it's no joke. And, and I've lost a a lot of people, um, to, to addiction myself. And, and I've lost a lot of people, you know, people that I grew up with, uh, in Reading, you know, um, you know, the 2007 hockey team, like a lot of those guys, um, you know, God rest their souls. Um, you know, just a lot of people that, um, Whether I used with or I grew up with, you know, it's 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 terrible. You know, I've I've gone to too many wakes and too many funerals. And, uh, you know, so I I really want to be a part of the solution now. And and that's what I try to do on a daily basis now. But in any case, like after I went to that 12 separate retreat again, I was willing to do whatever they told me at that point. I was not I was going to stop trying to to figure it out on my own. Um, cause clearly me trying to figure it out on my own got me back there in the first place. So, um, they said, you know, they wanted me to go to sober living in Portland, Maine, and it was definitely not my first choice, but, um, I, I had to, I had to do it right. Cause again, it was a life and death errand. you know, my life depended on it. And, uh, so, so I did and, um, you know, and, and it wasn't easy. I'll be honest, you know, I was full of fear. Um, I was in a new place, in a new environment with new people. Um, but I mean, the alternative, you know, I was, I was not willing to go back there, you know? And so, um, so I, um, I moved into a sober house and I lived there, uh, for almost a year. Um, you know, definitely things started to change at that point. Uh, you know, I, was definitely not really into it <laughs> for the first few months but um eventually i just said you know you know what like i I just th- this is what i need to do and um and and, and i did and you know and, and i'm forever grateful for my experience there and you know i was able to um really work on myself and like being away from you know where where i was while well, using but you know Growing up, like I kind of ha- got that space away to like really work on myself, and like I got my life back together. You know, I got a car, I got a job, I I went started going back to school, um, you know, and so. Anyway, you know, in in this this whole time, um, you know, being there, uh, once I, uh, and then I I moved out into my own apartment, and 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 once I kind of built a foundation there, I felt as though I was ready to um, move back home and, uh, I well not back home, but, you know, I got another place in, in Massachusetts. And so, um, you know, but now I actually live in New Hampshire, go figure. But, um, you know, I was, I was able to, you know, get, get those things back that I thought that I would never be able to get back. And, uh, you know, again, it's not about those like material things or, um, any of that. You know, it was really just more about the way I felt and I continued to do like, you know, you know, practice spiritual principles in my life and like practice healthy coping skills in order to like get through life. And, uh, you know, and and it's, you know, life isn't easy, you know, like life doesn't always isn't always fair. But like I, I don't I haven't felt a genuine reason to like go back to drinking or drugging since then, you know, like there, there's nothing that could happen in my life that would make me want to go back. Um, and so, you know, if there's anyone like who has any questions um, who are, wants to, to know more um, you know, I'm going to be sharing this podcast hopefully soon uh, on Facebook and um, you know, on the Wilmington substance abuse coalition, uh, Facebook page and uh, you know I'd really love to answer um, some of your questions um, if you have any or any comments uh, you know I'd really appreciate you know some positive feedback and uh, yeah I will talk to you next time.